Prophecies foretell a world war three, a world religion, and a world government will be established just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ. And can there be only one religion for all? Well, the stage is set for the fulfillment of all of these prophecies. So get ready for part two of our rapid-fire prophecy update on this edition of End of the Age. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries. Thank you so much for joining me on this edition of End of the Age. You know, we've been talking about some of these prophecies for a very, very long time. And in, when you do things like that, it seems like everybody just kind of gets lulled to sleep. You say, well, you know, they've been talking about this for decades. However... Up until this point in Bible prophecy, every single prophecy has come to pass. My father-in-law, Irvin Baxter, he talked about prophecies for decades before they come to pass. The rebirth of the Holy Roman Empire, the um, Berlin Wall coming down that would be the catalyst that would launch us into a new world order. Many things. And when they finally come to pass... Everybody, they, our phone would ring like crazy and everybody would say, Irvin, how did you know that? He'd say, it's in the prophecies of the Bible. I've been talking about it for years. Well, we're in the same situation now. We have prophecies that are once and done prophecies. Some prophecies are ongoing fulfillment of prophecies that we're watching and happening every day. But one of the prophecies that we've been talking about for a long time is a World War III scenario that is coming. Revelation 9, verse 13 through 16 says, And the sixth angel sounded. Now the reason we talk about this, I've said it many times. The reason we talk about this prophecy right now is that the first five trumpets, the seven trumpets in the book of Revelation, the first five trumpets are events that would precede the second coming of Jesus Christ. The first five of those trumpets of the seven have already sounded. The last one was uh, the fifth trumpet in 1990 to 91 with the Iraq war with Saddam Hussein. The first five trumpets have occurred in just over the last 100 years. So this sixth trumpet war or World War III will occur next If not, this and the peace agreement would be the next two to occur on God's prophetic timeline. The Bible says, And the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel, which had the trumpet, Loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. That's very important. It's a huge clue. Now, I watch China and Taiwan. I watch Russia and... um, Crimea and all these different uh, 
different geopolitical situations going on around the world. And, but at the end of the day, I always watch the Euphrates River region because of that right there. Loose the four angels bound in the great river Euphrates. The Bible says, And the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour, a day, a month, and a year, for to slay the third part of mankind. And the number of the army of the horsemen were 200,000, and I heard the number of them. Now, again, we've talked about that for years now. Different scenarios. Because we want to keep everybody up to date on what's going on in Bible prophecy. But, the thing is, is that don't be lulled to sleep thinking, well, I've heard about that for years. You know, maybe God made a mistake when he told John what to write in Revelation chapter 9. No, there's no mistakes, everybody. God doesn't make a mistake. The Bible says he knows the end from the beginning. He's already seen all this stuff played out. And he told John, there's coming a war that will kill one-third of the world's population just prior to my second coming. Not the Battle of Armageddon. It'll be a separate war. So we watched the, the Euphrates River region area very closely. What's going on in Turkey? What's going on in Syria? What's going on in Iraq? And what's going on in Iran? Well, I want to give you an update on that today because today they re-entered into the nuclear talks, the JCPOA talks with America, Iran, and the different, other, the, like four or five other nations that are involved in that. Europe, Russia. Um, and so the Jerusalem Post said that Naftali Bennett, the current Prime Minister of Israel, told the world that I, as the Iran talks resume, don't give in to their nuclear blackmail, to Iran's nuclear blackmail. So what's happening is world powers and Iran, they reconvened in Vienna today, these negotiations to, to negotiate this Iranian and American return to the 2015 Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action or the JCPOA, the nuclear deal. Here's the problem. There was a, a remark by Iran Ahmed Force, the spokesman, Brigadier, uh, Brigadier General Abfals Shakurshi. Earlier this week, he said as this um, characteristic of the Iranian regime's intentions, we will not back off from the annihilation of Israel, not even one millimeter. Iran wants to annihilate Israel and the United States. Imagine them having a nuclear bomb. Well, Israel opposes, obviously, this JCPOA because it insufficiently limited Iran's uranium enrichment and, in fact, it legitimizes further enrichment after the agreement expires. That's why Donald Trump pulled out, because there were sunset clauses, and it paves the way for an eventual nuclear bomb. Now, that's the facts. <clears throat> you can hear the liberal news media say, well, no, it was all this other... Uh, gobbledygook. How's that for a word? And that's what a lot of what they put out. But at the end of the day, it gave the, the sunset clauses in the original JCPOA allowed them to eventually get a nuclear bomb. And in addition, the JCPOA did not address Iran's other malign actions in the region. All of their 
terrorist proxies going and surrounding Israel in Yemen and Iraq and Lebanon and Syria. They're surrounding Israel. They want to wipe Israel off the face of the planet. And they're trying to get a nuclear weapon to be able to do that. So senior Iranian officials have said that they are only willing to negotiate the lifting of sanctions and not about the nuclear program. So, man, it makes you feel real comfortable, doesn't it? That, hey, they're trying to get a nuclear weapon, the number one state sponsor of terrorism on the planet, because one of their main goals is to annihilate Israel. And Israel has said, nah, we're willing to go to war tomorrow morning. Well, I'll bring you up to speed on what's going on in the Middle East when we get back. Get seven deals of Christmas starting now. Do you remember that feeling you had as a kid during the holidays? You were so excited you couldn't sleep. What experience and gifts would you receive this year? The atmosphere at End Time is nearly the same. We're excited these seven deals are available through the end of 2021. Why are we so thrilled? Because we know these resources transform lives. And that's even more fun than Christmas, especially in these tough times. For the remainder of 2021, you can get deals like an End of the Age Plus subscription for $987 per month or just $99 per year, Jerusalem Prophecy College enrollment for $35 per course, or my personal favorite, our brand new package, Irvin's Last Words. This is a five DVD set that includes Irvin's last sermon, conference, TV show, and radio show valued at over $100, but we're going to give it to you free with a donation of any amount. Go to endtime.com slash Christmas to access these exclusive deals through the end of the year. You can also call 800-END-TIME. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV, and now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online and End of the Age Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the End Time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you and we love you. You understand what's going on in the current Biden administration. Iran has said, hey, we're willing to negotiate the lifting of sanctions, but we're not willing to even negotiate the nuclear program. Well, as such, the United States, in a position of strength, has said, we're going to hammer you with sanctions if you do that. No, that's not what they said. The current administration has said, hey, as such, the United States is considering an interim agreement that some diplomats have called less for less, which would likely mean that the United States lifting some sanctions. Imagine this. They just said, nah, we're going to negotiate lifting sanctions and we're not even going to talk about the nuclear deal. And so the United States comes along and says, well, okay, we're going to, we'll, 
come up with an interim, agreel, uh, in, interim agreement that would likely mean lifting some U.S. sanctions in exchange for Iran freezing, not rolling back its nuclear program, which has advanced far beyond the JCPO's, uh, JCPOA's restrictions. Now, imagine being China. Imagine being Russia and all of these other nations who are enemies of the United States saying, well, man, all we got to do is say no and the current Biden administration will bow to that. This is the position that we find ourselves in with the current administration pulling ourselves off of the global leadership of the world government and this the new world order, the United States, under a position of weakness. The whole world is laughing at us, folks. Is this how everything plays out in the end? I'm not sure at this point. Because I know the United States is not going to be fully engaged in the world government, but we're going to be strong enough to stand with Israel all the way to the end. But man, what's going on with the Biden administration right now? I cannot explain. Well, I know he's a globalist, number one. And he's going to play ball with what the international community wants. And they want the United States back in this JCPOA deal. So I think the Biden administration is going to do whatever he want, whatever they want. Because he's pretty much done that up to this point anyway. However, you've got Israel here. Um, Yair Lapid, who's the current foreign minister of Israel, he warned that the Iranians, they're going to play for a time. They're just going to stall so they can get a cash and investment influx from the sanctions that are lifted while they covertly advance their nuclear program. Now, the United States is looking at this one way. And when I say the United States, I mean the administration. I think the big majority of people in the United States would say no. Hammer them with sanctions. Threaten them militarily. We're not going to allow them to get a nuclear bomb. I mean, if they come to any one of you listening and said, hey... You know, we're willing to negotiate the lifting of sanctions, but we're not willing to negotiate the nuclear situation. Would you say, well, okay, let's just do an interim agreement that talks about lifting some of the sanctions. Does that make any sense? Well, this is what they've done in the past, and it's what they will do this time as well, is that the intelligence is clear that Iran... It leaves no doubt. They're just buying time to lift sanctions. If Iran is not stopped, there will be a nuclear weapon in the hands of these religious fanatics who are engaged in terrorism as a way of life. But Israel's not going to allow that to happen, folks. The Jerusalem Post, they reported, Israeli military is readying for Plan B if the Iran nuclear talks fail. Remember the prophecy that there's going to come a war out of the Euphrates River region that will kill one-third of the world's population. Israel's military is continuing to develop its ability to conduct a military strike against Iran's nuclear program should circumstances demand it. And it looks like they are. After this five-month hiatus... Indirect talks between the United States and Iran started today. The defense establishment does not see a, as of this point, they're not looking for a war to break out with Iran or its proxies. 
like Hezbollah in Lebanon. But the, but the Israeli Defense Forces has been keeping an eye on the north and the south because now they control a lot of some of Yemen down there and uh, he, um, Hezbollah in the north. And it held, it, it, the IDF, Israeli Defense Forces, have held large-scale exercises in the north in October November. And there are plans to hold 50% more drills next year than in 2020 and um, 30% more than in 2021. So the increased exercises set for 2022 follows years of stagnation and will be the largest training operation in five years, especially for reserve forces. Following the signing of the Abraham Accords, this is very neat. The Israeli Defense Forces have also begun conducting drills with Gulf Arab states. And in in a subtle message to Iran, Israel took part in a multilateral maritime security drill in the Red Sea with the United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, and the U.S. Naval Forces Central Command, or NAVCENT. The drill in early November was the first of its kind, and it showed what kind of a naval, naval coalition Israel might join should there be a military action against Iran. A lot of it's going to determine what comes of these talks that are going on right now in Vienna. There's also hints of an aerial coalition that could come together. Now, I want you to think about this. Israel jets recently escorted a B-1B strategic heavy bomber and a KC-10 refuelers on their way to the Gulf. Jets from Egypt, Jordan... Bahrain and Saudi Arabia also escorted those planes while they were flying through their respective airspaces. So Israel's, it's called the blue flag air drills. They become more popular as the years go on, and they also provide a clue as to what other countries uh, could fly alongside Israel if push come to shove. This year's blue flag saw aircraft from Germany, Italy, Britain, France, India, Greece, and the U.S. take part. Now, I want you to think about something. Imagine if a war was to kick off and Israel had all of these nations and the United States on her side. Iran had China, Russia, and some of her other allies on her side. You're talking about World War III. You say, Dave... You're sensationalizing everything. I am speculating. But the Bible is not speculating. Revelation 9, verse 13 through 21. Loose the four angels bound in the great river Euphrates for to kill one-third the part of mankind, everybody. And we're looking at a scenario here. Really, the United States and Israel has been in war really for decades now. And it just has... Many people see us in World War III. That's their speculating. But they see us in World War III and it just has not escalated to the point where there are mass casualties. But if you look at what's going on right now, the United States is bowing to Iran because of the international community. We've got a globalist in the White House. And so he is bowing to the will of the international community and saying, well, if they don't want to even negotiate on the nuclear part, 
then we'll possibly have an inter-agreement that allows us to lift some of the sanctions. What happens? Money starts flowing back into the coffers of Iran. It doesn't go to the people. They use it to fund terrorism. Why would you even think of doing that? Because you're bowing to the will of the international community. That's what's going on here. World government. So we're talking about World War III and the ongoing establishment of world government here. Donald Trump said early, uh, back a couple years ago, no, we're not going to play ball with that JCPOA. We're out of here, and we're going to hammer Iran with sanctions. Now, there are people that are saying that was a bad idea because it allowed them to really start moving forward with their Iran nuclear aspirations. However, imagine if... Donald Trump were still in office with the threat of the United States, all-powerful, strongest military on the planet, saying, Iran, you're close to getting a nuclear weapon and we're going to come in there and wipe the whole mess out. Iran would take a second thought, right? But under a, a, a Biden administration, they're saying, ah, we're not even worried about it. You're not strong enough. You're not powerful enough. You don't have the will. Our military is strong enough, but you got to have some some. You got to have the uh, intelligentsia behind it, and we simply don't have that, folks. As far as in Washington, I should say, in the White House, our military is very strong. But if you don't have the will to use it behind you, then it becomes, you know, not so good, right? And I'm just throwing scenarios out here. But the thing is, if you look at it from a biblical perspective, prophecy perspective, World War III. Are we shaping up for that? I know it's time for it on God's prophetic timeline. Say, I know know you guys have been talking about it for years. Yes, we have. But the thing is, the Bible says it's coming. It's the sixth trumpet and the first five have already occurred. So it's something for us to be watching going on right now. What's going to happen with the the new Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action that's being negotiated in Vienna right now? It's something for you and me to be watching for because it's one of the next prophecies to be fulfilled this sixth trumpet war. Now, let me um, transition into another topic here totally. We know there's going to be a world religion that's established in the end time. The Bible's very, very clear on that. It's mentioned in Revelation 13. It's mentioned in Revelation 17 and 18. A one world religious system. And so, this is one of the ongoing fulfillments of Bible prophecy. It has been being established for years. The Parliament of World's Religion. All these interfaith and ecumenical prayer services and all these things. Trying to gather all the religions of the world under one umbrella. Well... This is the question. Can there be one religion for all? How would that look like? What would that look like? Well, there are a lot of people up in arms right now by a comment that was made by General Michael Flynn. Uh, You know who he is. So what did he do? He served as a, um, he served a brief stint as former President Trump's first national security advisor. And he was speaking at a Reawaken America rally right here in Texas. 
It was sponsored by a Christian broadcast network. And he made this statement. And I mean, there are people everywhere up in arms about it. He said, if we are going to have one nation, matter of fact, I read about it in an Israeli newspaper. So it's went global now. He said, if we are going to have one nation under God, which we must, we have to have one religion. One nation under God and one religion under God. Oh my goodness, everybody. People, rabbis in Israel, people everywhere are saying, oh no, the United States is is one nation for every religion. You're free to practice your religion however you see fit. I, I, you know what? I actually agree with that. You are free to do that. But that does not mean you'll make it to where your ultimate goal is. The Bible teaches that there is only one religion if you want to make it. What Michael Flynn is saying is true. Now, I'm not... I'm sure he was referring to the Christian religion, but you've got to think about this from the, a broad perspective. The Bible teaches there's only one religion to make it. There's only one way to get to heaven, and that's through Jesus. So, you're, yeah, you're free to practice any religion you want to here in the United States, but if you want to make it to heaven, you better be talking to somebody about Jesus Christ. And this is the Bible. So you say, well, I don't necessarily agree with the Bible. Well, then we need to have that conversation. How do we know the Bible is the book that we all should be following? There are lots of books out there. There's a Koran and all kinds of books. How do we know the Bible is the book? Well, obviously, we know that I know that prophecy is one of the easiest ways to prove that. Every day here at End Time Ministries, we use current events to show how those prophecies written 2,000 to 2,500 years ago, are coming to pass right now. It builds your faith in the Word of God, the Bible. There, are, there is no other book on the planet that you can do that with. And there are many ways to prove the validity of the Bible and that it's what we follow. Jesus said, I tell you these things before they come to pass, that when they come to pass, you might believe. I could go through just prophecy after prophecy the rest of the day. Go through a giant timeline. All of the things that have come to pass. But I want to go back to what Michael Flynn said. One religion for one nation under God. That's got to be true Christianity, which believes in Jesus and that he's the only way to heaven. Period. We could talk about all kinds of stuff. But when we get back from the break here, I'm going to prove to you conclusively that Jesus was the Messiah, and He is the only way to heaven. Interfaithism, it's not scriptural. Ecumenism, it's not scriptural. Talk about Jesus when we get back. Whether it's a global pandemic, threat of war, or floundering economies, end-time events are happening around the world every day. How can you have peace in a world of such great uncertainty? With the End Time Magazine subscription, you can gain a deeper understanding of current events and its prophesied repercussions. End Time Magazine's exclusive content and prophetic insight allows you to understand where we are in the end time. It will give you peace when horrific news and events happen. 
When you subscribe today to End Time Magazine for 12 months for just $19.99, you can have hope for the future because you will understand what the Bible says about the time we are living in. You'll get access to exclusive articles like the Prophesied American-Israeli Alliance, End Time Do's and Don'ts, and Could School Choice Save America? Subscribe for you or a friend right now. Go to endtime.com or call 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-END-TIME. The symbols and prophecies within the book of Revelation have perplexed Christians and unbelievers around the world. In his final work, Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ Part 2, the late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding. Don't miss this special offer. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com. If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button. You know, everybody, I made up my mind moving forward in my ministry and everything that I do, I was going to talk more about Jesus. If an individual, my goal is to get people to heaven, right? So the only way to get to heaven is to introduce people to Jesus Christ and have them to be born again according to the plan of salvation that Jesus purchased on Calvary. I could talk about all kinds of stuff. I mean, and and we will. We'll talk about all the prophecies and everything that's coming in the future and a lot of different things. I know 2021 is coming to a close. 2021, uh, 2022 is staring us right in the face. And I know that God... So let me give you a scenario real quick. In 2017, for years, Irvin Baxter had been talking about the prophecies of the Bible... Israel, I mean, everything in Scripture. Talking about the apocalyptic events that would occur in the near future. But in 2017, he felt like God told him that you're looking at Irvin. You're looking at this all wrong. Not that he had showed that, not that he didn't have the prophecies correct. He did. However, He said, you're looking at this from the apocalyptic type situation and all the apocalyptic events. But Satan did not create all of these events. I I went, I've seen all these things play out and I set this stuff in motion to set the stage for the world's greatest revival. That will happen in the end time. So from then on, something really switched in our ministry where we started preaching not... Um, it, we never really taught it as a, a, a perspective of fear, but we don't teach it as all this, the apocalyptic events. Yeah, we will talk about those, but we need to talk about the great end time revival. You, can, you know that in a lot of our articles, a lot of different things, we do talk about the apocalyptic events in our prophecy conferences, but we also preach about the, the end, time, end time revival that's coming. A lot of people don't teach about it because they think we're going to be gone when that happens. 
But the fact of the matter is, is that we know the church will be here all the way to the second coming of Jesus Christ and that we will help facilitate the greatest revival the world has ever seen. We're going to experience that. In order for that to happen, we've got to preach Jesus. We've got to preach the gospel. Jesus said this gospel of the kingdom will be preached around the world, then the end will come. So that is our goal here at End Time Ministries. I said 2021 is coming to an end. This would be a great time to mention end of the year giving. I know a lot of you for tax purposes do an end of the year giving uh, to a ministry, uh, to some kind of a tax exempt organization. Consider end time ministries in your end of the year giving. Because we are reaching people literally all over the world. And I'm so thankful to be a part of this. But you, you see a lot of people nowadays that talk about God. And we should talk about God. But a lot of people are scared to death to mention the name Jesus. Who is your God? And so it's very, very important that we understand. Jesus said, you'll be hated of all nations for my namesake. When Michael Flynn made this statement, we need one nation and one religion... He's ta- I, I, I'm sure he's talking about the Christian religion. People are flipping out. The, the liberal news is just, oh my goodness, I can't believe he would say that. This is the United States of America. There are people that realize, I'm one of them, that Jesus is the only way to heaven. The Bible says, all you do in word or deed, do in the name of Jesus Christ. So I made up in my mind that I'm going to talk a lot more about Jesus Because he's he's our ticket out of here, folks. There is no other ticket. Jesus Christ. And so I wanted to go through a few Old Testament prophecies and some New Testament where showing you that Jesus is the only way. Now, I've, I've got a lot of information here. We may have to finish it on Wednesday, maybe part three of this. But I wanted to spend some time here today because... If you can get moved off the fact where you think, well, maybe there are several ways to heaven. Talked about this the other day. I want to spend some more time on it. If you can get to the point where you think there are even two ways, then the devil's messed you up in your head. You've you've went sideways. There's only one way. According to the Bible, there's only one way. And you have to go through Jesus Christ. uh, Let's talk about Jewish prophecies real quick about the Messiah or Jesus. Jesus was the Messiah prophesied about in the Old, time, the Old Testament. Um, the Bible says that he would be born in Bethlehem. This is Micah 5.2. If, you if you're not familiar with the Bible, Micah is in the Old Testament. Micah 5.2. The Bible says, But thou, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me that is to be a ruler in Israel whose going forth has been from old, from everlasting. Of course, the fulfillment of that, Jesus. Uh, uh, Mary and Joseph had Jesus. They arrived in Bethlehem. Jesus was born. It fulfilled a 500-year-old prophecy. Jesus, you do know, fulfilled every single messianic prophecy. Every single one. He didn't leave one out. He was the Messiah that Israel had been looking for for thousands of years. And so, 
The Bible says he would be born of a virgin. Um, Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. The fulfillment of that? Jesus Christ. Messiah would come riding upon the foal of an ass. Zechariah 9, 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, the king cometh unto thee. He is just, having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass, and upon a, a colt, the foal of an ass. The fulfillment, John 12, 13 and 14. He took, they took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. And Jesus, when he had found a young ass, sat thereon as it is written. The Bible says that he would be betrayed of a close friend. You understand these are Old Testament prophecies. Psalm chapter 41, 9. Yea, mine own familiar friend, in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. Well, go to uh, what? Mark chapter 4, verse 10. And Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went up into the chief priest to betray him unto them. The Bible says he would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. Uh, Zechariah 11, 2. And I said unto them, If ye think good, give me my price, and if not, forbear. So they weighed for my price 30 pieces of silver. The fulfillment of that, Matthew 26, 15. And said unto them, What will you give me? And I will deliver Jesus unto you. And they covenanted with him for 30 pieces of silver. Um, the Bible says Messiah would suffer. Of course, it was Jesus. He would bear our sins. Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Well, of course, the New Testament records that at the time of the crucifixion, Jesus was smitten, there was a crown of thorns placed on his head, and he was beaten with many stripes. Also, the Bible says that Messiah would be killed for our transgressions. Uh, let's go back to Isaiah 53, verse 12. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. You know, as Jesus was dying on the cross, he cried out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So we see that while Jesus was dying even, he was making intercession for those who were crucifying him. All this was a fulfillment of Bible prophecy, everybody. Um, the Bible prophesied he would be killed by crucifixion. Psalm twenty-two, sixteen: For dogs have compassed me, the, the assembly of the wicked have enclosed me, and they pierced my hands and my feet. Well, of course, there was the fulfillment. It was amazingly accurate. Prophecy by King David was fulfilled when the Roman soldiers nailed Jesus to the cross. Who was the Messiah? Jesus. Did anybody else other than Jesus 
die for your sins? No. Then who's your ticket to heaven? Jesus. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. What other supposed God out there died for your sins? None. Only Jesus Christ. So who do we look for in the end time for our plan of salvation? Jesus Christ. None other. But yet we have a man who stands and says, one nation under God and only one religion. He's referring to Christianity, but yet they say, no, we can't have that. That we've got to have every religion under the sun. Well, again, it's your free will. You can do whatever you want. But if you want to make it to heaven, it's going to be through Jesus Christ. Um, the Bible, some more prophecies about the Messiah, letting us know it was Jesus Christ and no other. The Bible says they, he would be given vinegar to drink. Um, Psalms well, 69, 21. They gave me also gall for my meat. And in my thirst, they gave me vinegar to drink. John 19, 29. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. Jesus fulfilled every single prophecy. They prophesied the Old Testament that the Messiah would be cut off. Uh, the, the, the prophecy, it's Daniel um, 9, verse 24 through 27. The prophecy specifically states that Messiah is going to be cut off. And of course, Jesus' crucifixion certainly fulfilled that prophecy. It also told that he would be resurrected from the dead. Psalm 16.10 For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither shalt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. And this, the prophecy of the resurrection is one of the most amazing of all the prophecies. And it specifically states that the holy one will not see corruption. Jesus himself foretold he would rise from the dead after three days. And the, those, of course, the un, unbelieving religious leaders, they feared his disciples would steal his body and then claim that he had risen from the dead. So they requested that soldiers were to guard the tomb until three days were passed. Well, by doing so, they destroyed the very excuse they would later attempt to use for Jesus' resurrection. Because after three days, Jesus did raise from the dead, and the religious leaders, they offered the soldiers who had witnessed the resurrection large sums of money to say that his disciples had stolen his body away. And after his resurrection, Jesus appeared to, appeared to his disciples. And then he appeared to Thomas, who did not believe the reports of his resurrection. And Thomas would not believe until he said he'd not believe until he saw Jesus for himself. And of course, he also said he would have to see the nail-scarred hands and the wound in his side. I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began the ministry from the recliner in our living room. My name is Jana Robbins. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day. End Time is a small nonprofit that runs a high-traffic website, a daily TV and radio show, the Prophecy College in Jerusalem, and more. Although we have less than 30 team members, we are able to serve tens of millions of people each month. 
We survive on the goodness of God and donations averaging about $50. If everyone hearing this message gave $22, our financial needs would be met for the year. If you only give to one cause per month, please consider partnering with End Time to help get the message of our soon coming King out to the world. Call us at 1-800-END-TIME to give today or go to endtime.com to become a monthly or one-time partner. You know, old doubting Thomas, he said, now I'll not believe he's resurrected from the dead until I see the nail-scarred hands and the wound in his side. Well, when Jesus appeared behind closed doors, he went straight to Thomas and he said, Thomas, behold my hands. Thrust thine hand into my side. And that's when Thomas cried out, my Lord and my God. He knew that all those Old Testament prophecies Jesus had fulfilled every single one of them. Jesus appeared after he had resurrected from the dead over, um, over the next 40 days. He appeared to a gathering of 500 people at one time. And they all become witnesses of his resurrection. And to this day, there are still some people that contend that Jesus' disciples stole him away from the grave and falsely claimed that he had risen from the dead. However, these same disciples were martyred. The disciples he showed himself to, they were martyred for preaching that Jesus was the Messiah and for testifying of his resurrection. And if they were knew, knew it were not true, they certainly would not have been willing to die for their message, right? So, who was Jesus? Well, most Jewish theologians say that Jesus was, he was just simply a teacher. Muslims believe that he was a prophet and a Messiah, but not God. Christians believe he was the Messiah and he was God manifest in a fleshly form. But most importantly, who does the Bible say he was? Well, the Bible says that, hey, Messiah would be the mighty God and the everlasting Father, right? Isaiah 9, 6-7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, of the increase of His government, and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon His kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So this passage clearly states that the child... Jesus, that would be born, would also occupy the throne of David as Messiah. It also declares that he would be the mighty God and the everlasting Father. Also that the Bible says that the Messiah would be God with us. Isaiah seven fourteen. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. So this prophecy foretells that the son born to the virgin, Mary, as a supernatural sign to us would be called Emmanuel. The word Emmanuel means what? God with us. Isaiah prophesied that Jehovah would become Jesus. 
Let me go through this really slowly here. I'm going to say it again. The prophet Isaiah prophesied Jehovah would become Jesus. Did you know that? In Isaiah 12.2, it says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also is become my salvation. Well, all of us know who the Lord Jehovah is. He is the one true God of Israel. Well, in this passage, Isaiah prophesied that the Lord Jehovah would become our Jesus. You say, well, I don't see that. Well, the Hebrew word that was translated salvation is Yeshua. Yeshua is the Hebrew pronunciation of Jesus. So Isaiah was summing, he was saying that the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also is become my Jesus. So folks, when, when it all comes down to it, there are a lot of people that pray God this, God that. And if you know who God is, then yeah, that's fine. But there are people that say God that mean that that mean Brahma or Vishnu or Muhammad. But folks, Jesus is the only way to heaven. Deuteronomy 6.4 Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Only one religion is going to get us there. Isaiah 9.6 Again, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Who's the child? Jesus. Remember, he fulfilled all the messianic prophecies. For unto us, Jesus will be born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. John 14, 6. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but my me. I've heard people who claim to believe in the Bible say that, well, there are many paths to heaven. No, 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 no. Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Acts 4.12 Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. 1 Timothy 2.5 For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Ephesians, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. So you say, well, what's the original question? Can there be only one religion for all? Yes, if you want to make it to heaven. You say, wow, Dave, that's pretty strong. Yeah, I know it's strong. But the thing is, is that Jesus prophesied that we would live in some strong times. He said, you'll be hated of all nations for my name's sake. 
It's Matthew chapter 24. Many will take heed that no man, no man deceives you, for many will come in my name deceiving people. How is that possible? They will come in his name saying, hey, we're Christian, but they're not teaching the truth. He said, well, how's that possible? Well, it's that people have diluted the truth down to the point where they're saying that, well, hey, you know, I know the Bible says that, but really you could live this way and still be saved. And so people come along and say, hey, we're, I'm a Christian. I've got Christian over my door to my church. It says Christian. But they live in such a, it, the, the message is so diluted that the Bible says in the end time there would be people that would not line up with sound doctrine. They didn't want to hear it. They would gather unto them preachers because they, had, they, they wanted to hear a watered down message. But here's what I'm saying. Any minister that's going to minister to me, me, Dave Robbins, I want you to lay out the truth to where it's line upon line, precept upon precept. Why? Because I want to go to heaven. Don't water down the gospel message for Dave Robbins. Don't water down a message that people have given their lives for and that under the... the, um, under immense persecution that they still taught the Bible and its doctrines. Don't water that down for me. You say, but I know, Dave. I actually had a guy tell me, uh, a pastor, here a while back, well, we can't teach it like like they did 50, 60 years ago. And I said, sir, I'm going to respectfully disagree with you on that one. Because there were men that come in the past that held the line. They knew that people were trying to water down the message. And they knew that if people were going to get to heaven, they had to teach it straight as an arrow, folks. And if you can find a man of God that will teach it straight in the face of all the immense peer pressure from society and everything against that man to water down this message... If you'll find a guy that stands in the gaps and says, look, for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to teach it straight. Like I tell everybody in the prophecy conferences, I would super glue myself to that place. Because I want to make it to heaven. And folks, in the end time, we cannot water down this message. Yes, we want to teach it like you say, well, I, man, I remember them old camp meetings and stuff I went to where they preached it straight. But like I said, I had a guy tell me the other day, well, Dave, you know, we just can't preach it like they used to. And I said, well, why not? What's changed? The message or society or what people view as Christianity? The message has never changed. The Bible has not changed. And so guess what? If you want to make it to heaven, that's what we're going to follow. We're going to follow the one true religion of the Bible. Line upon line, precept upon precept. If you come up against a doctrine in the Bible that you don't agree with, guess what? Can't change the Bible. 
you, you're going to have to change the way you're living. Because, again, what are we trying to do? Trying to get everybody to heaven. You can't just believe anything you want and make it to heaven. You can't go by just any book that you found somewhere or purchased. Nope, doesn't work like that. You say, Dave, what are you talking about today? I'm talking about Jesus. The only way to heaven. Being born again. Jesus came, purchased a plan of salvation on Calvary called being born again. Jesus told Nicodemus in John 3, 5. Or John 3. Nicodemus, except a man is born again, he cannot enter or see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said, "How can I, what, what do you mean born again? Do I enter again into my mother's womb and be born again? He said, no, except a man's born of the water and the spirit, he can't enter or see the kingdom of God. Folks, our goal is to be born again, make the rapture, and be part of the kingdom of God. Be part, you can be part of the kingdom of God now. Be born again. But there will come a time when the rapture occurs. Our bodies will turn from mortal to immortal. We'll be caught up to meet Him in the air. And the Bible says we will reign with Him as kings and priests for that 1,000-year millennial reign. That's our goal. We're going to reign in God's government here on the earth. The only way to be a part of that is to be born again. The only way to be born again is through the Salvation experience Jesus purchased on Calvary 2,000 years ago. You say, well, I don't, I don't understand how to be born again. Go to endtime.com, type in, what do you mean born again? It's right there. Call 1-800-END-TIME, 1-800-363-8463. We'll get, send you a free brochure giving you all the scriptures and verses. What do you mean born again? Because there's nothing more important to us than making sure you are prepared for that second coming that's what the first coming was for to prepare us for the second coming and so am I thankful that I know who Jesus is that I have a relationship with him absolutely and I'm not ashamed to say his name Jesus I love you thank you and I worship you This has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries. If you're not currently a partner with End Time Ministries, or if you would like more information, we invite you to call us at 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463, or visit us online at endtime.com.